Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hello and welcome to this episode of Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm David Thornton. Today we're taking a deep dive into the tech sector. Now, US mega cap tech has carried the S&P 500 this year and it's taken Aussie tech along for the ride. For some insights into the sector, we're joined by Sam Koch from Wilson Asset Management and Shane Fitzgerald from Monash Investors. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so the ASX All Tech Index has lifted nearly 18% year to date. Sam, do you see this continuing? Great question. So in our view, there's actually three drivers that are actually driving the outperformance of the tech sector year to date. The first really is, I guess, the fact that the market believes they've got line of sight on the sort of the end of the rate rising cycle. And for the sector as a whole, that, that sort of lifts the prospects of valuation. Secondly, fundamentally, a lot of these tech companies are actually cut costs. And so their pathway to profitability is actually a lot narrower. And so that's a positive for, for investors. And then thirdly, you've got this thing where the real economy is really suffering. You've seen a raft of downgrades across the retail sector recently. And so when you step back as a portfolio manager and you're looking to allocate capital, where else are you going to put it to actually get growth? We think the tech sector is a viable option. Pretty mixed appraisal. Shane, what do you think? I, I concur with most of those points, actually, in fact, all of them. Um, I think the, the real um, variable that's changed or likely to change in the next 12 months or so is the investment time horizon of the market. Yeah, when you have periods of real uncertainty like we've had in the last 18 months with backing up of interest rates, high inflation, the market's time horizon really crunches in. And in the tech sector, you have a lot of very long duration st- stocks. Some of them are not cash flow positive for many years, right? So when that time period crunches in, you know, the balance sheet becomes at risk. If there's one thing I've learned over all my years of investing, if the balance sheet's at risk, the rest is bullshit, right? So that's behind us now, or likely behind us now. So I think it's more encouraging for the sector. Okay, now we've seen a real divergence between profitable and unprofitable tech. Sam, what's your outlook for these profitless tech companies? It's a great question. And also like alluding from what Shane just mentioned, we have a a focus in on profitable businesses um, and profitable tech or the companies that actually have a pathway to profitability in the short term, because in our view, it sort of reduces that or removes that risk that they need to raise money at a depressed valuation, which is highly dilutionary for shareholders. And I I think the market has the same view. Like you look at companies that that cut costs aggressively, their share prices actually have tended to rally over the last six to 12 months. So in our view, profitless companies or unprofitable companies will continue to struggle. Shane, do you touch profitless companies? Uh, from time to time we do, but yeah, in this market environment, not really. You know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, that wherever the companies need to raise capital, they don't. And raising money at the moment is just tough. Like we've seen, the IP market is effectively shut at the moment, right? So that's a good indication. So yeah, I think when it comes to the profitless companies, what you are seeing is a lot of them are cutting their costs back. The real question is, have they cut into the bone, right? So I want to see a result or two before I get comfort that the cost reductions that we have seen 
hasn't cut into the bone. I want to see, you know, tech companies are all about growth. So, you know, you've got to see that growth. If they cut too hard too quickly, that can be problematic. So we've got confession season and earnings season coming up. What do you expect to see? Well, yeah, the tech sector uh, probably is more diverse than almost any other sector out there. There's companies in a vast range of different industries, different segments, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no overarching theme, I think, going across the sector. But there will be a focus on the cost line. There will be a focus on the key SaaS metrics or whatever there. So, yeah, I think it's really, you know, the market we're in at the moment, or moving into, I should say, is a stock picker's market. Okay, there's no big themes or trends going on across the equity market. It's all about stock picking. So it really comes down to the execution of the management teams and how well they do. Sam, what do you expect to see out of confession and earnings season? I agree. Um, largely idiosyncratic, the sector. Um, two overarching things that I'm looking for is, I guess, as these companies have really uh, run aggressive cost-cutting campaigns, have they cut into the bone? Have they really impacted their future growth potential as a result of the, that cost-cutting? I'd caution investors to keep in mind on that. And then secondly, a lot of these tech stocks aren't necessarily immune to the real economy. Some have exposure to the consumer, some have exposure to the business investment cycle as well. So I guess understanding the end market exposure to those businesses and how that plays through in the results will be key. All right, let's move on to buy, hold, sell. First up is Megaport. It's been beaten up since the end of 2021, um, but it's done 13% this year. Shane, starting with you, is it a buy, hold or sell? We've got a hold on this stock, uh, really on valuation grounds more than anything else. You know, the big drop in the share price was really, comes back to this, when does the stock going to become cash flow positive, right? So the company recently um, really took, took the knife to their cost base, took a ton of cost out of the business. Um, and on the current projections, looks like they're going to get that cash flow break even probably in the next 12, 18 months from what I can see. But that's great. Does it justify a billion dollar plus valuation? No, you need to see the growth coming through. And circling back to what I said a second ago, I want to see whether this cutting has impacted the growth. And if you look at the last quarter in particular and the ones prior to that, the growth metrics haven't been spectacular for this business. So I think they've got some work to do to actually convince the market of the valuation that's currently got is appropriate. Okay, so we've got a hold there. Sam, buy, hold or sell? For us, Megaport's a buyer. We spent a lot of time over the last six to 12 months on really trying to understand whether the underperformance that they've had at the revenue line and you've seen through the stock price is actually driven by the product being inadequate or poor execution. In our view, it's been poor execution. Essentially, when they try to pivot towards the indirect sales channel, they lost focus, um, sales deteriorated, the cost blew out. And what you've seen now is the, the founding chairman actually stepped back into the business, cut costs aggressively. They've changed the executive team. They've got a sales executive now running the business, Michael Reed, And they're starting to, I guess, reinvigorate and reorganize that sales team. So from our perspective, um, it's a turnaround story. It will take a couple of uh, 12 to 18 months to play out, not a couple of quarters. And it's trading you know, towards the bottom end of its EV EBITDA valuation range. The catalyst is a reacceleration re of revenue growth and um, you know, successfully hitting those earnings targets. The market loves a turnaround story. Okay, next up we have Life360. My family actually use that app and love it. Um, but in terms of the stock, is it a buy, hold or sell, Sam? For us, Life360 is a buy. The investment thesis is being progressively de-risked um, over the next couple of quarters as they continue to add subs ahead of market expectations whilst putting through like a 50% price increase. Um, that really demonstrates the pricing power of this business. 
Going forward, you've got the integration of the tile acquisition, which will really help to accelerate subs growth as well, because you've got that bundling um, with, the, with the two products together. As it approaches EBITDA and operating cash flow break even this year, we think that's a key catalyst to see it continue to re-rate. Shane's done 42% this year, yep. buy, hold or sell for so yours. Once again, this is another hold for us as well. Once again, probably on valuation grounds. Look, the business growth is, is great at the moment. I think the, co- the price increase they got, in fact, that stuck, seems to be really encouraging. What I struggle with this company is understanding the true total market, the TAM, or for this business. I don't believe the numbers they put out. They make no sense to me whatsoever. Right? And that's true of terms that you get from most companies, to be fair. But you know, the other thing that I also circle back on is trying to understand what the longer term competitive dynamic is going to be. Like I hear you use, you use it, that's great. My family use FindMy on the iPhone. That works perfectly okay for us and costs us nothing, right? So when, if Apple and Google put a competitive product into the marketplace, I don't know, but it could happen. So I want to sort of see how that environment unfolds, shall we say. Next up, we have uh, Dicker Data. Um, this was actually a reader request. Shout out, Nathan. Um, Shane, is it a buy, hold, or a sell? It's a sell for us. Um, when I look at Dicker Data at the moment, you know, it is very dependent on its own customers for its growth and its prospects. And I think you know, in the current very challenged um, corporate environment, it's one of the tech stocks that has the most leverage to the broader economy in our estimation in the sector. So yeah, given that headwind, that's a sell. Sam, it's down 23% this year, which has got to hurt. Buy, hold or sell? Um, it's a sell for us as well. Um, if you look at, I guess, offshore reports recently, TD Cinex um, reported overnight and industry feedback that we're getting, sales of PCs and laptops have really decelerated, like really weakened in the last sort of three to six months. And that's a headwind for this company. Um, they're also heading into this environment with an elevated balance sheet. You know, over two times net debt to EBITDA on a trailing basis, elevated inventory, rising interest costs and a deteriorating sales environment isn't a good combination. Um, it's trading at sort of 15 to 16 times price to earnings ratio. Offshore peers trade at 10 times. It's a comfortable sell for us. Now, we asked our guests to bring along their highest conviction tech pick for the year ahead. Shane? What have you got for us? Yeah, we've brought along DropSuite. Uh, for those who don't know, DropSuite provides cloud backup service for your email, for your Office 365, for your Quicken Books, etc. The, uh, there's studies out there showing that small businesses, only, you know, about 84% of them do not back up their SaaS application data. They just don't do it, right? So DropSuite is working with a lot of managed service um, providers to provide these servers into those clients. Uh, it's got about 2% market share globally of those M- M- MSPs with plenty of runway to grow into that. Yeah, it's growing at 50% at prime at the moment, great SaaS metrics across the board, cash flow positive, there's a lot of upside. That's a bullish thesis. Sam, what have you got? SmartPay is a key um, high conviction idea from us. We believe it's, it's undervalued, it's undiscovered, and it's a market cap story that has earnings and valuation upside. SmartPay operates in the competitive payment terminal market in Australia and New Zealand. Having said that it's actually quite competitive, they've been able to grow share from 2% back in 2020 to over 6% now of their core market. And we believe that's been driven by a unique product offering and like exceptional sales execution. What we think isn't being priced in by the market at the moment though, is a transition in their business model in New Zealand. In New Zealand, they simply do a terminal rental. So they charge um, on a monthly basis, a rental for the terminals that they provide. As they shift to a merchant acquiring model like they've got in Australia, it's a far more profitable model. There are some estimates out there, but like it's, it's actually quite, um, quite a considerable and material difference. 
and this makes up you know, two thirds of their current terminal fleet. So trading at 0.5 times price to earnings growth ratio, we believe there's plenty of room for SmartPay to continue to re-rate as they take share in Australia and they transition that New Zealand model to a far more profitable one. Well, that's it for today's episode of Buy, Hold, Sell. If you liked it, please give it a like and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're uploading great content like that every week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.